Hey everyone, this is Josh Hallman and you're listening to the Beyond Mars podcast where we talk to innovative leaders in aerospace, aviation, and defense. Today, I get the honor to interview the one, the only, Topher Haddad, CEO and founder of Albedo. Welcome, Topher. Hey, thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me. Super stoked to be here. Oh man, I am really excited. Um, I'm going to give a little preview. Uh, you started a company off a tweet. That's all I'm going to say. And then we'll get into that a little okay. bit later, but I'm super excited. I'm really excited for talking about how you got to be the founder of Albedo. There was a, a, a long road to there. The second is, um, you know, what you're doing, what, what does Albedo do? What are initiatives you projects you guys are working on? What, what are you going to bring to the world that we don't have right now? Uh, or the universe, and and thirdly, what what industry trends you're seeing? So um, let's start off. How, how what was the journey to becoming the founder of Albedo? Yeah, totally. And and co-founder, I have two amazing um, co-founders. So and I'll, I'll mention them. But yeah, so I you know to kind of go way back, went through a really interesting kind of progression. Um, did not apply myself at all in high school, and like had never thought about engineering, ended up taking an aptitude test when I graduated that pointed me straight towards engineering. Hmm. And uh, so I picked mechanical because that was broad and ended up really loving it and, and the problem solving and um, and the different things there. So studied at UT Austin, University of Texas, and after school was not set on a specific industry per se, you know, with mechanical, you can go to a lot of different things and but really wanted to move to San Francisco. So started looking for jobs out there. And um, ended up landing a job with Lockheed Martin in under the remote sensing group. And that was kind of my first exposure to space and satellite imaging and different remote sensing technologies. And I was really fortunate because the guy that hired me kind of pitched this grand vision where he was going to train me to become the, the chief architect of these big remote sensing programs that Lockheed has out in the Bay and essentially replace him over time. Wow. And so super, super lucky to have him early in my career. He was an incredible mentor. and. Um, yeah, I think that's, you know, a crucial thing early in a career is to have someone that's really invested in you. And uh, Warren was my mentor and, and boss. And so did kind of the architect track and, and learned a ton there, but also ended up focusing more specifically on optics and imaging science and kind of how that relates to remote sensing architectures and the early phase of different satellite programs where you start with different requirements, uh, whether they're like imaging related or different things, and then conceptually come up with different um, aspects of the architecture, like what altitude do you fly at? How big is the camera? Things like that. And so really, yeah, loved that. Uh, did that for about four years out in San Francisco and um, ended up moving to Denver to take a different job with Lockheed and, and did that for a bit. And, you know, I would dive in more to, to my um, history, but all the, the satellites that I've worked on have been different classified programs. So can't yeah. dive in too deep. That's, but, that's totally fine. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really, really incredible time at Lockheed. And, but yeah, so getting to kind of the albedo story, how that came to be, like you said, started with a tweet. Started um, with a tweet. Yeah. So one of um, Trump's probably more, more well-known tweets was this one where he, he tweets the satellite image of an Iranian missile failure and mentioned like, oh, we didn't have anything to do with this. And, and people saw the satellite image and were like, you know, you could see a ton of detail in it, like the stair steps and the markings on the missile and, and different things. And people realized that, you know, they're like, 
we don't have any commercial birds that can capture this high resolution of imagery. This must be from a top secret satellite. And so it sparked this whole conversation in the industry about basically, you know, how high resolution is this? They estimate like 10 centimeters per pixel, which is the size of a single pixel on the ground. And my, so then the idea kind of formed as I was reading this article that was talking about a panel of executives of other commercial satellite imaging companies at a conference. And they were talking about the tweet and asked whether um, there would be a commercial market for that high resolution that Trump tweeted, which yeah, 10 centimeters, much higher than what, what their companies uh, image today. And they were all like, oh yeah, there'd be a gigantic market, would enable a ton of new use cases, but it would cost over a billion dollars per satellite to capture that because it would have to be the size of Hubble, which is the size of a school bus. And for a space telescope is just prohibitively expensive. Um, and so we're not going to do it. It just doesn't make sense. But my gut response to reading that after, you know, a background in doing all these different conceptual studies and, and looking at newer technologies was like, well, today you could actually do things a lot differently. You could fly the satellite much lower, use these different sensors to do some optical design tricks and some other things to essentially shrink the size of the telescope that you'd need to get 10 centimeters from like a school bus size to more of a refrigerator size. Hmm. Ended up doing some back of the envelope stuff and, and got to the point where I was like, I think we could do this for two orders of magnitude cheaper than, than what these guys said. And my exposure had been um, the classified world. So I, did, I just kind of took their word for the commercial market side of things and, and dove into the tech side, but um, discovered other kind of pieces of the puzzle, like regulations had just changed that enabled commercial sale of this level of resolution of imagery, whereas previously there was a limit on it. Uh, and then kind of other just general space uh, tech things that like from an infrastructure perspective that enable starting a space company today to be much cheaper than it's been before, like SpaceX bringing down launch costs super low or right. Amazon and Microsoft building antennas all around the globe. So you can basically just plug straight into the cloud from space and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, but ended up moving in some co-founders. AJ Lassiter is our, our CTO and him and I worked together at Lockheed uh, before this and he's more of a general mission architect has worked a ton of different space programs kind of jack of all trades and then winston try is a friend of mine from college and and uh, we actually both studied mechanical engineering but he went more the software route after school and went to work for facebook as a software engineer and was on the user side of satellite imagery taking imagery and lidar data for different 5g and mapping applications and so we ended up doing my combinator which is a, a great accelerator program that Birth, DoorDash, Coinbase, Airbnb, a bunch of yeah. great big companies. And that was a, a super valuable experience for us because like I said, we kind of came at it from the tech side. And so that that um, phase was really dedicated towards focusing on the customers and what does this market really exist? Like, do people actually need 10 centimeter resolution? Um, and what we found is that there's kind of two categories of, of customers that, that really need this level of resolution. There's one that is, today limited to aerial imagery, imagery captured from planes. And so like mapping and insurance use cases need that high resolution, but you can only get that in certain areas of the world, like the US and Australia and some other places. And then um, generally a lot of satellite imagery applications are you know, computer vision based or machine learning based and really perform better as the resolution gets higher. And so they'll take the highest resolution they can get. And some examples there are like utilities and agriculture um, but we, I can dive more into use cases in a bit, but ended up, yeah, with a, a ton of kind of committed 
uh, what we call LOIs, letters of intent from a bunch of customers saying, you know, if you pulled this off, if you're actually able to deliver 10 centimeter imagery, we would buy this much. And, and so um, definitely validated that side of things. And the the last thing I'll, I'll kind of say in the spiel is we, we ended up um, incorporating, or we now have thermal imagery incorporated in our satellite design. So thermal, the, the wavelengths of thermal energy are really long. So it's very challenging to capture high resolution uh, thermal uh, long wave infrared imagery where you're measuring heat essentially. Right. But because we're doing such high resolution optical imaging, we can simultaneously capture those long wavelengths at a decent resolution that probably wouldn't make sense for a, a standalone system on its own because like the, the market isn't proven out. There's not really a, it's a new data set. And so there's a lot of cool applications that we're, we're excited for, um, but it's really beneficial that we're able to kind of just tack it on our existing systems uh, and, and provide that new data set. So, um, but yeah, so we did, did the accelerator program, uh, raised a, a seed round led by initialized capital and a bunch of other great investors of, of 10 million and uh, have hired a team and, and now have an incredible team of rock stars that that mentor I mentioned uh, that, that initially hired me uh, actually was one of our first full-time hires and he's our principal architect and, and is super crucial to the mission. And, and um, yeah, so it's been quite a journey, but we'll launch the first satellite in about two years and then it will, uh, 24 satellite constellation will follow that. So is uh, so many questions. So is this your own satellite you guys are building or are you outsourcing that to another company to build the satellite and send it up and you're more just the tech? Yeah, so it's a bit of a mix and we will share more in the future about uh, how, what that looks like, you know, <laughs> a bit yeah. sensitive there, but yeah, it's a mix. So we are working with different suppliers on the hardware components. I I like to compare it to like an Apple or NVIDIA type approach where they do all this architecture and specs and design in-house, but then they flow those specs to hardware suppliers to actually right. build the systems. And there's a ton of, I mean, from that kind of infrastructure piece, there's a lot of new space companies that are building satellite buses or different actuators or things at a much cheaper um, uh, and faster schedule than historically has been in the aerospace industry. So it really doesn't make sense for us to reinvent the wheel in a lot of things. But there is a lot of core technology that is unique to flying the satellites super low, which the term for that is actually VLEO, um, that like from a, a guidance, navigation and control perspective and at controlling your attitude and make, keeping it stable and satellites, when you're flying that low are just zipping like so fast, even, you know, faster than at normal LEO orbits. So, um, but yeah, a, a little bit of a mix there. How many do you think you'll be having up in, in VLEO? um, in that low earth orbit, or do you, are you not allowed to disclose this yet? Cause you know, as you're going around, are you going to have 24 seven visuals? Like if I work at Goldman Sachs and I want to know about a, you know, farm land in Africa, uh, yeah. about, or uh, South Vietnam. And I, you know, is that something, uh, let me ask the question, how many do you think you'll have? And will you offer like 24 uh, seven, visual for a certain area? Yeah, great question. So our full constellation will be 24 satellites. The, the kind of first block of six will get us to daily revisit rates, meaning that we have access to everywhere on the earth up to mid latitude. So, so most of where the population lives on a daily basis. That doesn't mean we're imaging that entire area on a daily basis, but that we have access to image it. And so uh, that's kind of revisit rate is one of the key metrics in satellite imaging aside from resolution. And um, so a lot of like 
you know, so, so once we get to 24 satellites, it'll be more like, uh, four revisits, four to five revisits per day. And, um, so to kind of put yourself in customer shoes, like a farmer could request imagery of their crops on a weekly basis or a utilities company trying to prevent wildfires around power line would maybe order imagery of those power lines on a monthly basis, but they have to put that tasking order in opposed to just having imagery collected on its own. And for, for popular areas like cities and, and certain spots, we'll task those ourselves so that we always have fresh imagery of those locations. But generally, satellite imaging is full of trade-offs. And one of the big ones is that as you go high resolution, your overall area collection decreases. Mm -hmm. So we really, um, our system is very complemented by other satellite imaging companies like Planet that do the Dove monitoring. Um, they, they fly these small satellites that image the entire landmass daily. And so you can't see much detail in those images, but you can detect different changes and things like that, that would trigger our satellites to potentially zoom in on specific locations. So you can't, it's how imaging, it's hard to have it all. Um, yeah. You kind of got to pick, but yeah. It's definitely trade-offs. All right. So you've alluded to it a little bit. Let's dive into, you know, what are you guys working on now? Um, cool initiatives or projects, and you can go in as deep as you want, but I just want to hear what's, what's the latest um, at Albedo. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so we're really heads down right now in the design phase of um, the satellite system and the bus and the payload, which are kind of the two parts of the satellite. And so um, very, yeah, very focused on that kind of burning down the big risks of the initial analyses and models, which really in space, like get you a really long way, those kind of high level models that you do in Excel, but now we're really diving in deep to make sure our assumptions are correct and, and burning down those uncertainties before we start actually building the hardware and testing and integrating it. Um, so doing a lot of that and then have, have sales and, and marketing and, and, and doing some of that stuff as well as the whole ground system, which, you know, often in space programs, you, you kind of forget about ground, everything, all the satellite planning and scheduling and working with all these different constraints and, um, a big performance metric that, that we care about and our customers care a lot about is latency. And so delivering the satellite as soon as it's captured to the customer quickly is a challenging problem that you got to do a lot of uh, software development and, and different um, smart architectures on the ground to do that. So that actually is a big effort for us as well as writing all that ground software. Um, but yeah, and, and then I could dive into some like maybe more specific use cases of what our imagery will, will yeah, be. Yeah, let's, let's dive into some, you, you've talked a little bit about it, but let's, let's just explicitly call it out on what you yeah. guys would be using it for. Yeah, so so we really we um, are very focused on the commercial market from a product development perspective. We satellite imagery commercially has been around for a while, and and it is useful for a lot of industries, big industries. But it really seems like it's only scratched the surface in a lot of ways. And so, part of our core mission is to catalyze the growth of new applications and new markets, and and grow the existing industries that use imagery. And so, combining this ultra high resolution with creating data that's very accessible, easy to buy, um, you know, modern APIs and, and buying it for the first time through an automated fashion, opposed to talking to a bunch of salespeople in, in the process is what we think are kind of the ingredients to enabling new applications, you know, new users that have an idea for an application of satellite imagery could just, you know, in their garage, log on by an image and, and test that out. So, um, so we're really focused on creating that accessible data set. And, and I think a, an easy way to think about the 
well, I guess we can just dive into kind of like four of the core industries um, that need higher resolution. So, so two insurance and mapping really rely on aerial imagery today, like I talked about. So mapping, general map making, you know, detecting roads, updating uh, different features, buildings, that sort of thing. But then also as we move to autonomous vehicles, those, the fidelity of those maps needs to increase and the, um, the freshness needs to, to get better. So, so that's a very big growing application. Um, insurance, mostly property insurance, so like measuring roofs and looking at property characteristics for underwriting a, a property to insure, and then also evaluating weather damage when a hailstorm blows through or things like that. Um, but then yeah, utilities companies, like I mentioned, are, are big, trying to really focus on, on wildfire prevention around power lines, doing vegetation management. And then the, li I, the list kind of goes on with hedge funds and supply chain, 5G, renewable energy. There's a lot of cool climate applications um, that aren't maybe as in intuitive, but like getting to like an example, like measuring um, the carbon sequestered in a forestry projects for carbon offset markets, you need today, you need drone imagery from multiple angles to map the canopy heights to estimate that carbon content. So it's not necessarily just measuring the direct image, but a few processes to get there. So um, that's one on the thermal side. There, there's, um, yeah, a lot more potential that don't really exist today, but you can measure uh, the carbon emissions from a power plant by, by measuring the heat signature and then using different surface properties to get to an estimate of how much carbon is being emitted from that power plant. And then general like economic activity indication, like is that Amazon warehouse busier than it was, you know, last time we imaged it or, or things like that, that show change detection is, is, um, is something as well. So yeah, a lot, of, a lot of cool, cool ones. And we're pretty vertical agnostic because we're really just trying to provide the highest quality pixels, but not necessarily do all the analytics and computer vision ourselves, but enable the market to, to do that. It's really cool. Before we, dive, before we dive into, you know, what you see in the next five, 10, or however far out you want to go, um, Albedo, where did this name come from? Uh, and what, what is the definition of Albedo? Yeah. So I think our success will be measured when our Google search is above the Wikipedia page of Albedo. <laughs> um, but it, so Albedo is a term for how much light or energy is reflected off of a surface. So in satellite imaging, you use it a lot to measure the signal to noise ratio um, by assuming it's generally like 30% of the sunlight reflects off the earth back into space, but it varies based on the, the surface. Um, but it's funny, like going back into notes from the early days of this, uh, recently I sent this to the team on Slack and it was like, there's just like terrible at note taking. I've gotten better because <laughs> it's async remote world. You got to be good at it. But there's this one note that's like company list ideas and then one bullet or, or company name ideas. And then just one bullet says albedo. And it literally just kind of popped into my head one day as a good mm. name for a company. It's kind of, you know, a new word that not many people have heard of. It starts with an A. Um, and so, yeah, it kind of just stuck and, and we rolled with it. That's awesome. Um, yeah, no, I, I was surprised when I was doing my research and I, I saw the, the different things that would pop up for Albedo and, um, it's a really cool name. Very, very catchy. All right. So let's, let's dive into what do you see? What do you see, you know, for, as, as, a, as you are a co-founder, um, satellite imagery, co uh, company, and what do you see in the next five, 10 years? Yeah, so there is 
there's a lot of new constellations going up into space that are, you know, not just optical imaging like us or thermal, but there's all these other different types of modalities and phenomenologies that you, that fall under the remote sensing umbrella. And so like synthetic aperture radar, creating imagery with radar, there's benefits there that you can image through clouds and at night, and it looks different and it's more machine-based processing, but it has its unique strengths of like change detection and always on kind of thing. Um, since clouds are a big limitation with optical, there's hyperspectral imaging, which measures a bunch of different wavelengths at, at very narrow bands. And so you can tell a lot of surface properties and, and material types for different things. And so I think over the next 10 years, like those constellations are going to launch and a lot more of the, of the new things will be on the ground and businesses that are built around this, you know, heaps of data that they can use to either solve small problems like you know, just things you, you would never think about, like snow removal planning or measuring curb usage for city governments in their cities and things like that, of, of like all this data that's out there and being created more accessible that small companies can be built around. But then also um, companies that are more maybe venture backable and scalable that will solve problems for the bigger industries like insurance or mapping, but are not don't have to send satellite hardware into space themselves can just use that data. And then the end user, like big insurance company, doesn't have to do all the image analysis themselves. So a lot of these like vertical specific companies um, is what, you know, I think is kind of the way to go from a, from an application perspective. And so I think we'll see a lot of that a lot, similar to GPS where like, you know, Google Maps or whatever couldn't work, Uber couldn't work without GPS, but people don't think about that as like a space-based enabled application. And so I think we'll see a lot of that with imagery as well. But then broader, I mean, in space, there's, it's popping off right now. Like, yeah. you know, at launch, there's a ton of new launch companies that are doing cool stuff and um, we'll see what happens there, but that's great for us. One, one cool thing about our um, architecture that is, is kind of a bonus, not necessarily a required for a business model, but since we fly so low, we'll be propellant limited, meaning our, that we'll run out of fuel and that will end the satellite's life. But there's a lot of companies working on on-orbit servicing and, and, fixing satellites or removing debris. And, and one of those applications is refueling satellites. And so when that's available, we've designed our satellites to be able to refuel on orbit from these different companies like OrbitFab so that they'll go from, you know, certain year life to, you know, two or three times that. Um, so that's the on-orbit servicing space is big. There's some really new stuff like, like in-space manufacturing, like Varda is a new company that's doing commercial manufacturing for like semiconductors and different things that benefit from a microgravity environment. Um, so that, 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 yeah, we'll see what happens there. And then, um, yeah, I'll, you know, space tourism has been in the press a lot. There's a lot going on there getting to just hitch a ride up to space, get the overview yeah. effect. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a great time to be in the space. There's kind of new space 1.0 and then that kind of gave way to a lot of this infrastructure that's enabling this, um, boost in, in space startups and, and new space companies. So no, it is, it's absolutely fascinating. And, um, uh, Topher, I just want to thank you. I, I learned so much, um, more, you know, I, I knew a little bit from just the research for, about your company, but I am just, I, I love your story. I love how it started Thanks, with a tweet. Bro. It started <laughs> with a tweet and a really cool idea. And, some things to take away, I think, for, you know, some of these up and coming engineers, uh, space enthusiasts, whoever is, is listening is you started off and you had really good mentorship. 
Yeah. I think you really tapped into that and some people don't take advantage of that, but it, it is, it is almost career and life changing when you can get, I call them cheat codes, um, people yeah. helping you out and seeing situations, issues, problems, and helping you navigate that, um, you know, it, relatively young founder that are doing very innovative things that will help us get military grade imagery. Um, that's a long sentence, but it, yeah. <laughs> I think it encapsulates what, what you're bringing. And so the mentorship, um, and then also I think being in the right place at the right time, you know, yeah, you're, totally. you went to UT in Austin, um, working at Lockheed Martin to, um, which got you to Lockheed Martin, which got you to see what the actual capabilities are and then see use cases and trying to figure out how to solve those. One last thing I'll say on the mentorship piece. I think it's like, I feel super lucky and fortunate. And that is so key early on. I think another thing I wish, or I mean, I, the one thing I wish I had known in college, especially as a mechanical engineer was like, I think a lot of the guidance you get is you can pick kind of any industry as ME, just for ME, just go like find a big company to work for and you can do it for two years and then figure out what you really want to do. But I think what I've seen is that the first job you, you take out of school as an engineer is typically the industry you stay in. Mm. And so I'm super fortunate to have gotten plugged into space because that wasn't necessarily something I was set on originally, but now feel very lucky and um, glad that that's, that that's what I, what I fell into. So that's that another is so true. Thing to think that, about. That actually is very true. And I also think that I, let me add one more. Yeah. And I, I noticed this in others. Uh, one of my mechanical engineer buddies, I also went to UT um, and he started out at, at uh, actual Lockheed Martin too, and became a founder of a razor company, decided oh, yeah. he's going to design razors. Nice. And um, so you, you can, you can start off and find yourself a great job or uh, a, a, a job in an industry and you could go anywhere you want in that industry. You're not stuck in, oh, I've got to climb this one ladder. The other part is it's never too late. It's yeah. never too late to change. Um, I know that people think like, oh, you know, I'm 25, I'm 35, 45, 55, and it's already past me. No, you can, you can start yeah. whenever. Yeah, it, I know. 100% agree with that. There's, there's definitely, yeah, you can, you can bounce around and whatnot, but I think by and large, it's, it's just something I didn't realize, you know? No, they, these are awesome insights. I, and, and I'll just recap. I have loved our time. I've learned a lot about your company. I've learned a lot about your career. I've learned a lot about your insights and how someone who's just starting out can kind of navigate that next step. Um, so thank you for coming on uh, Beyond Mars, I hope have you on in the future i you know i'd see see the success of albedo um and maybe when you get some satellites up in the air and 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 we can we can get a recap of how things are going um but thank you for coming on and and i hope you have a great rest of your week yeah 100 percent, josh this was great appreciate you having me on